New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm hosting Tim Burkett. He's the guiding teacher of the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he is the author of the memoir, Nothing Holy About It, The Zen of Being Just Who You Are. Tim, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Very happy to be here, Justine. I'm happy to have you. Much of this memoir, you mention your original teacher, who was Suzuki Roshi. Some of us know of him by the book of his talks called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, which is just a classic for all spiritual seekers. And you actually worked with him and knew him, and he was your teacher. So can you say something about this famous Japanese teacher and what he meant to you? Well, this famous Japanese teacher, when I met him, was not famous. <laughs> and I had no idea that he was going to become famous. He wanted me to set up a little sitting group in Palo Alto when I was at Stanford, and I did. He wanted to come down, and he was a very humble man. He was going to come down and sleep on the couch the night before. That was his idea, but one of the other students drove him down in the morning. And we had about three or four people come every week for some time. So the idea that he'd become famous never occurred to me. But we were drawn to him, many of us, myself included, the way a, a moth is drawn to light. Many of us in the counterculture, you know, we looked like we were having a good time, but we weren't. We were alienated from our families and from college. And here was this little man who just seemed to radiate uh, Love. I mean, he never talked about love. He never even used the word love, but he just created love and lightness and uh, welcomed us into his heart, welcomed us into our own hearts. It was transformative for me, as I guess it was for lots of other people because he became famous, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Tim, I remember some story that you told after you had been with him for a while. Some of your fellow students, you invited them into a meditation practice to sit. But you were a little bit worried about how they would be there and, yes. and judge it. Yes. And so you, you asked uh, Suzuki Roshi to explain something. I can't remember quite what it was, but to explain how it all worked. And he was not so forthcoming about explaining yes, anything. Yes, well, uh, this is in my book, but I, don't, I can go into it in a little more detail. So I had these Stanford friends whom I had talked into coming to sit with us in Palo Alto, and they're very technique-oriented. And he told them how to do their posture, but he wasn't talking to them about what to do with their mind. So I said to him, we give some instruction on how to manage your mind. And he said, no, I can't do that. And then I asked him a second time, and he said, no. And a third time, and finally, I gave up with kind of disgust. Uh, <laughs> but basically what he was saying indirectly to me was, we don't try to manage our mind in meditation. Who is the person who is managing the mind? It's the mind 
that coagulates into wanting to manage itself. And the more it wants to manage itself, the more narrow and confined and rigid and disheartened it becomes. And that if we're just here in our meditation, not trying to manage anything, but just watching, just opening our heart, opening our mind, that's the whole deal. And we think we do meditation because we want to let go of trying to control and just be present. And then we try to control through some sophisticated techniques, and he would have nothing of it, at least at that moment, and he taught me about that. Mm -hmm. Now, at other moments, he actually did give me help with very brief techniques when I was having a difficulty. But at that moment, he saw that I was trying to grab onto something. So in other words, I, I think that you mentioned something in your teachings that you learned from him probably is that the mind, like that mind that's always chattering, is like a wild horse. And he says, yes. to tame a wild horse, you give it a big pasture. That's right. That's a wonderful quotation from him. That I remember him saying that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So in that, the techniques that he did give, though, Sometimes they're helpful. Yeah, Not yeah. if we just depend on yes. them totally, yes. but they're... Yes. So yes. what are some and, of the and techniques? And I actually use technique more than he did. I use it quite a bit because sometimes people's minds are just, they feel like they're crazy. And having something to focus on, focusing on your breath, uh, repeating to yourself something with your breath, whether it's a sacred mantra or your own phrase, can really help you. Focusing on tension in your body and just being with that and noticing how it moves and and how it where the density is and where the lightness is can really help you. Panopta, just the stillness that's right mm-hmm. here. So I use some bodily, I suggest people come back to their bodies, come back to their tightness. Use a, a sacred phrase or a phrase from their daily life like peace on the in-breath or deep on the in-breath and peace on the out-breath or mm-hmm. clear on the in-breath or mind on the out-breath, whatever, to help them, to help them. There was a moment that I experienced with Michael, uh, the death of his mother, mm-hmm. and we were there mm-hmm. in her passing. And I remember in that moment after her passing, it was very, very powerful, mm. And, mm. and Michael was mm. swirling a bit. And I just spontaneously started chanting mm. one of the mantras oh, that, yeah. that we use oh, in our yeah. practice. It just came out yeah. of me. And, yeah. and that was very helpful yeah. in that moment. It just yeah. sort of yeah. calmed everything yeah. down because we remember yes. something yes. when we do that. Yes. We, we're tapping. Yes, that's a wonderful experience. So we chant the Heart Sutra every morning. I chant it for many mornings. And there's a key phrase in there that's a mantra. Nobody was ever asked to repeat it, or but I was having a hard time in a meditation retreat and he said repeat gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisvaha and i was amazed i thought zen we don't do mantras but he was resilient he was able to match himself to the needs of his student a good teacher can can feel his students feel her students and and match to them match to them that's just wonderful that's wonderful and So in all that you do and all that you teach or embody for your students, it really comes back down to being kind to ourselves. Yes. Yes. You know, that kindness. Mm-hmm. It's a gentle process. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we are so tough with ourselves, we our are. inner critic, right. and we blame ourselves when we get yeah. 
wrapped up in our thoughts yeah. and we bring yeah. ourselves back yeah. in a very harsh ways in, right. inside. That's right. So what's your advice? Well, my advice is notice the inner critic. Notice all the shoulds, all the judgments. Just notice them. And, you know, I, I like this phrase that I got from Rumi. There are lots of guests that are going to come, and some of those guests are going to be very judgmental, very harsh. Treat them as guests, but don't put them up for the night. <laughs> don't put them up for the night, because we end up with all of these guests who become borders, and we carry these borders around for our lives, and, and we're just so heavy and so discouraged and so burdened. But just treat them as guests and bid them to go, but do it gently, do it kindly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things that I've learned or used sometimes is in my meditation to, at some point when I can notice how far I've traveled mm. in my thoughts, I, mm. you know, I might be yeah. in my room and in stillness, mm. and then suddenly I realize, oh, I'm in Afghanistan. Oh, and yeah. then I, I laugh at myself. Yeah. It's like I got on this horse mm-hmm. and it just took me away. Yeah. It just ran away with yeah. me. And that's the moment when we notice that. Mm-hmm. What is your best advice to? Uh, my Well, laughing is, is wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. My teachers all laughed a lot at their own silliness and our silliness. Laughing is liberating. When we really laugh, we laugh from our hara, which is the, the seed of wisdom in Japanese and Chinese Zen, our hara, our lower belly. As you become proficient at meditation, your breath naturally goes down into your, your lower belly. You don't have to do any special breathing. It just comes to, that's where you laugh. That's where you let go of stuff. That's where you open up. That's beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So laughter, humor, yes. So is there anything else that you'd like to say to us today in conclusion? Well, I just want to say to everybody who's listening, you can do this. This is not a big advance, fancy practice. It's just having some aspiration, having some belief that you can open to deep stillness. And all of that chattering is okay. It's okay. But you can be with it and see through it and see around it this wonderful, wonderful openness and and quietness. And there's joy in that. There's joy. (laughs) Tim, I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. My pleasure, Justine. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with... Tim Burkett, and he's a guiding teacher of the Minnesota Zen Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the author of the memoir, Nothing Holy About It, The Zen of Being Just Who You Are. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, nothingholyaboutit.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe and invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.
New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.